Welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, where our goal is to encourage, educate, and empower parents who are raising exceptional children. Join me as we dive into the real and raw of living an unordinary life. Why, hello, everybody. Once again, it's been a while. I think I'm just going to stop saying that on my intro and just accept that there are times when I'm going to be able to put together a podcast episode, and there's going to be times when I'm not. I'm on my own. I don't have a producer. I don't have any help. So it's just me and I guess my timeline. So I just wanted to hop on today to talk a bit about the impact of raising exceptional children on your marriage. So this week we celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary, lucky 13, I guess. And I have to admit it it was a little hard. So we have had a lot of ups and downs in the 13 years that we've been married, but one of the greatest challenges is raising a family of children who have exceptional needs. Now, some are not that hard to handle, but others can be a real challenge. So I wanted to discuss today how that impacts us and some ideas that I've kind of come up with moving forward for us to strengthen our relationship and to weather the storm that is raising four children and many of those children giving us an incredible run for our money. So let's start with the impact that it has in general. So it is very, very difficult for us to find help with our kids so that we can leave the house alone. Um, We have managed to go on three vacations without our kids in the past 13 years. And those vacations are life-giving, and I wish it is something that we could do more often than we have been able to. So... I know that in reality, that's not going to be an option for us right now, so we need to shift our focus to figuring out how we can regularly get out of the house um, solo, whether that's just date night, the two of us, or the opportunity for us to go and hang out with our friends who um, we don't get to see often without our kids in tow. So... For a marriage to survive, I suppose, um, you just you have to have that time where you're not on the clock as a parent and you're more just on the clock as that husband or wife to the other person and you can just get back to the reasons why you were drawn to each other in the first place. So I think that priority number one will be finding a reliable sitter to stay with our kids and allow us to get out of here one or two nights a a month. Two seems like such a stretch, but one to two months nights a month to just go out and um, relax a little bit and get away from 
the stress and chaos that is our home on a daily basis. Um, I know that finding a sitter can be a real challenge, so I am fortunate to have my niece who can come and watch the kids. Um, Sometimes we'll come home and put them to bed or we won't go out until they're in bed, but we could also be flexible and take bedtime out of the equation and maybe go do lunch and hang out in the afternoon. This is a prime time for that with football season and college basketball coming up. So sometimes we just have to be flexible and think outside of the box and come up with a solution that can give us the opportunity to spend some time together without being interrupted 800 times a minute by by someone talking to us or temper tantrums or what have you. So over the course of our marriage, our time alone has decreased, especially in the last few years. Initially, we were, um, you know, when the kids were small, we would go out here or there, but typically grandparents were the ones responsible for watching the kids. And as they have gotten older and become a little bit more of a handful, it's just been hard to ask um, our parents to regularly do that for us. So uh, I think that it's um, fair to say that our relationship is takes kind of a toll on our relationship because we, we just don't have that time together without um, our kids around. So priority number one, schedule in those date nights. Priority number two, break up with the cell phone. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, silly, but it is an addicting little tool. And at the end of the day, when the kids are finally in bed, which at these days can be anywhere from 8 until 11, um, it's really easy to plop down on the couch and flip through Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the news and just waste time on our smartphones and I think we need to make it a priority to just really put those away. I have listened to um, several podcasts lately and one was really great on Jessica Honiger's Going Scared podcast. Um, She had a great one on the Sabbath and it actually pertained a lot to choosing one day that you know, the phone is really almost off and it's a gradual progression to get to that. But I can see how it's so easy to instinctively pick up the phone and and flip through it. And at the same time, it's probably putting additional stress on a relationship that's already stressful, given the amount of stress that is present in our home. And I'm sure we're not alone in that. Like, you just want to veg and and just do something mindless for a while. But at the same time, I think that it just continues to drive a wedge in there when we need to be connecting with people, like face-to-face or, you know, on the phone or whatnot instead of, you know, just checking on what's going on. So breaking up with the cell phone. Is anybody up for that challenge? Because I think that is going to be a really difficult transition to set some parameters on 
when those phones need to be put away and shut off. And I, I cringe thinking about it, but I guess that just goes to show you how reliant we are on those devices. So let's kind of get into the nitty gritty of how raising a child or children with exceptional needs can impact your marriage. So um, I think one of the biggest things is philosophical differences on how to handle the situations that are going on in your house. And I think that in order to be successful and ride this storm out, it is imperative to sit down and have an open discussion about the ways you want to discipline and the expectations you have and be honest about the limitations that your kiddo or kiddos have and then create a plan from there because if you are living with unrealistic expectations for your child and they constantly can't live up to those it can cause a lot of stress not only for you and the child but a stress on your relationship as well especially if the parents are on two completely different levels of expectations so i think it's important to have that conversation and one that you should revisit often because you know skills change and temperaments change and you just never really know um what is going to go on with your kid and I just think that the only predictable thing about raising a child with exceptional needs is it is going to be unpredictable so having those conversations is really important so that you are on the same page and you're not giving um your child conflicting information and you're not confusing them because I feel like they're already confused and the more structure and stability you can bring into your home the better everyone will be we have a long ways to go on that I think that for the most part most days I'm completely overwhelmed and I don't even know where to start so I need to get better about getting some basic cues and visuals put together in our house and sitting down and discussing that with our kids Um, In addition to having a conversation about discipline and expectations, I think it's also important to sit down and discuss what type of interventions you think are necessary for your child to thrive. Therapy is a really big part of raising a child with exceptional needs, and it can be really challenging to find providers that your child jives with, that you jive with, um, that your insurance covers. It's hard to schedule those in and putting that burden, I guess, for lack of a better word, on only one parent can be very overwhelming and I guess eventually probably lead to some feelings of resentment because it is hard to fill out all the paperwork, go to the appointment, meet with the person, and then sometimes that person you can see is not going to be a good fit. So then you start over. And sometimes there aren't good people um, who are able to work with your child in your area. And that might require then a lengthy drive. And being the one person responsible for all of that 
is probably just not a very good situation for anybody. Um, I know when I think about our family, the closest person or the closest place that we could take our son, probably with the best benefit, is about 50 minutes to an hour away. Well, when you consider the type of therapy that he needs, we're talking probably at least once a week and for a long duration of time. And to sit down and try to figure out how to make that work with three other kids at home and, um, you know, almost an hour commute each way, that, that pretty much shoots a whole day. So I have a hard time even scheduling that and going after that opportunity because it just overwhelms me to think about how I can possibly make that all happen. So I think it is important that you sit down and kind of map out what what needs to be done and put all of your children down, any needs any of your children have and activities that they have and try to map it out and divide and conquer because at the end of the day, we are both parents. There's There are two parents and while one may work more than the other, or one may work and one may not, it is still incredibly difficult to um, be the lone person who is responsible for the transportation and the shuffling and lining up the appointments and dealing with the insurance company. So the more you can divide and conquer, the better. I think ultimately what needs to happen is that we view this as a team sport. It's It can seem sometimes like an individual sport because one parent might be more active or more well-versed in what's going on with their child, but it really needs to be a team effort. And if we can get on that page and, and decide that we are a team instead of working against each other, I think that everyone will feel less stress and it might even draw you closer together because feelings of resentment might just dissipate because you no longer feel like you're the only person capable or willing to take care of the needs that need to be met for your child. So if you have any thoughts on ways that that works in your family, I'd love to hear about them because I think that hearing other people's stories and their experiences is really helpful. I always say, why why rewrite the same story? Um, just use the information others have and some of that advice might save you a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money and a whole lot of stress if you can... Um, follow in the footsteps of someone who has gone before you. Which leads me into the last part of this. And I feel like this is an important piece that a lot of us miss out on. And it's finding, um, I guess I would call it a mentor. Finding somebody who has walked down this path of raising um, a child with exceptional needs and uh, like scheduling out some time to either meet with them or talk with them on the phone or however you want to communicate. But find somebody who's five, 10 years 
down the road from you who, you know, their kids are no longer in school and, and they've made it and, and talk to them, talk to them about the ups and downs. If anyone is going to understand your situation, it's going to be someone who has been through the trenches and come out on the other side. And it's good for, um, you to have encouragement from other people. And I always feel like the person who your mentor is really benefits from that experience of knowing that the path that they took, while it might have been hard for them, those lessons can be passed on to someone else who might really benefit from them. And before you know it, you might just have a really remarkable friendship with someone that you might not have expected to. So if you can find someone, um, please do. I always suggest going on, you know, find those support boards. There's people on there who are just starting the journey. And perhaps, you know, you're five years into your journey and you can help mentor them along. And hopefully you would find someone on there who's ahead of you who can help lead you along on your journey. I I think that the biggest key is that everyone realizes that they're not alone and we are just wired for connection and it can be really, really hard to connect with other people when your lifestyle is different than the norm, but they're out there. And if we can connect with them, it will just build, it will fill you up and it will build your confidence and it can really help put less strain on your relationship with your spouse because you have other people to talk about it with and other people who can help guide you on this journey. So I know this is a pretty short podcast, but I think that that's probably just the way it's going to have to be from now on. But the statistics are pretty high that people who raise a child with special needs the divorce rate is pretty high. I I just don't really know how to sugarcoat that at all. It's a very stressful life. Um, it it costs us time and it costs us um, our emotional and mental and sometimes physical health at times because it can just it can just be really overwhelming and isolating. So putting your relationship with your spouse way up at the top is going to have to become a priority. So I was just talking with my oldest son the other day and I was telling him that one of the biggest mistakes I feel of our generation of parents is that we have removed our relationship with our spouse from the top and put our kids above that. And I think that in part is, you know, a big problem right now with marriages being sustainable because if it's a kid-focused marriage rather than a, you know, husband and wife or significant other-focused marriage, it makes it really difficult. So I know we want to give our kids the world and we want them to um, be involved in activities and, and have a social life and... All of that is really, really wonderful, and those those are great goals. But if your child has more of a social life than you and is engaged in more activities than you, I think that's probably 
pretty telling and something we need to change. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> so you got a phone call in there on that one. Um, so I just think that we need to kind of refocus and put our marriage and our relationship at the forefront. And if we are strong in our marriage and our communication is strong and we have time away together and we have time away alone, but we help each other out in, in allowing that to happen, I think that everyone will greatly benefit in the stress level though it will still be probably high in your household and I know it would be in mine, it will be less and we will be able to fill our buckets a little bit more if we become less kid-focused and more focused on building relationships with our significant other and friends. So that is my two cents on the impact of raising a child with exceptional needs on your marriage. And that can go for any relationship you're in, really. Like, if you're not putting forth effort with members of your family or your friends because the kid has taken over your focus in your life, then we need to shift and get back on the right path. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a wonderful week, month, year. Who knows when I'll be back again. (laughs) But I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope to be back in touch with you again soon.